welcome to the Emmanuel Church London Catch-Up Service. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a passion to present Jesus to London and would love for you to be part of the adventure. So why not say hello to us by visiting our website, manualchurchlondon.org, so we can get back to you and say a bit more of a personal hello. Kids, who can tell me what those two ingredients are? Anybody? Tim, mate. Um, Cameron, at the back, shout it out. Fantastic. Bread and wine, well done. And, and, and the bread and the wine, they represent something, don't they? Who can tell me what the bread and the wine represent? Okay, Caleb, you would jump. Very good. The body and the blood of Jesus. The bread represents the body of Jesus. And when we break it, when we break the body of Jesus, that, that bread, we remember that Jesus' body was broken for us on the cross. And the wine or the juice represents his blood that was shed on our behalf and that we are washed clean from our sin, made new by what he has done for us. And we use the bread and the wine to remember all that Jesus has done for us on the cross. And the, and the Bible tells us that eating this meal is one of the important things that we do when we gather together as a church. 2,000 years ago, back in the early days of the church, they, they wouldn't have met in a cinema screen like we are. They wouldn't have even met in a big, posh church building. Instead, they met in each other's homes, and they would have eaten the bread and the wine and as, a, as part of a meal together around a table like a family does at mealtime, like you would do in your home every day. And when we eat the bread and the wine, it's not just a, a nice tradition. It's not just a nice thing to do. It's powerful. When we eat the Lord's Supper, we are declaring a powerful spiritual reality. The cup is the cup of the new covenant. It's a promise that Jesus sealed with his own blood. It's a certain promise that all who trust in him as their Lord and Savior will have eternal life. When we eat the bread and the wine, we are stepping into the blessing of that promise. We are stepping into the family of God. We are stepping into being part of the covenant people of God, the promised people of God. It's a big deal. It's not a sad thing at all. But it is a serious and wonderful and joyful thing. And that's why when you read what Paul has to say to the church in Corinth in this letter, 1 Corinthians, that we've been going through, about how, and, and just how he replies and describes how they have been taking the Lord's Supper, it is really shocking what he says. Paul has heard about how this church is taking communion together, and he is not happy at all. He's not happy. This is what he says in chapter 11. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. So that's not a good start, right? That's not a good place for Paul to be starting. Paul is swinging for them. This isn't like a feedback sandwich where he goes, you've done this all right, this is a bit of a problem, but this, you, know, you could do this well, this is going well as well. This isn't like, he, gloves are off. He's basically saying, when you gather together as a church, you are doing more harm than good. It would be better for you not to be carrying on and meeting together than, than carrying on and meeting. It would be better for you to not do it. That, that is crazy, 
Paul has risked his life to plant churches around the Mediterranean. He's risked his life to get these churches out of the ground. He's gone through so much and he's saying, it's better for you, what you are doing is so bad. It's better for you not to be even doing it. He's not happy. And then he says in verse 20, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. That means that there is something that they are doing that is robbing the Lord's Supper, communion, of its power. Something that they are doing that means the bread and the wine that they are eating, it's not the real deal. There's the link. Anybody? That's the link. It's not the real deal. It looks the same. It probably tastes the same. But in reality, something they are doing is making the bread and the wine they are eating like a cheap imitation of, of the Lord's Supper, a cheap imitation of communion. It's not the real deal. Let's look at what Paul is saying. is stopping the bread and wine in Corinth being the real deal Lord's Supper. This is what he says. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. So so the problem isn't, isn't the ingredients or the packaging or whatever. The problem is how they are taking it. The problem is how they are taking it. They weren't eating the bread and wine together. They weren't united They were divided in how they ate the Lord's Supper. Rich people were getting there early and having a big meal, drinking lots of wine, even getting drunk on the communion wine. And then the poorer members of the church, maybe who had to work a long, long day at work, long hours, were coming late, didn't have anything to eat, and they got to the table and there was nothing, there wasn't enough for them, there was nothing there for them. Some members of the church were stuffing their face, getting drunk, while some were getting to the same table and going hungry. And the rich didn't care about the poor. The privileged didn't care about the underprivileged. And Paul is mad. He cannot believe what he's been told is happening in Corinth. He says in verse 22, Do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? See, the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper is a symbol of how by grace... Each one of us has been united to God through Jesus. And it's a symbol of how we've been united to each other through Jesus. The power of the Lord's Supper works vertically between us and God. Jesus connects us back into the family of God, back to our Father in heaven. And he connects us horizontally to uh, to each person who trusts in him. It works vertically and it works horizontally. Everyone who comes to the table of the Lord's Supper needs the grace and forgiveness and love of Jesus. All of us, without exception. And by grace at the cross, he pours that grace and love and forgiveness out onto us. And when he did that, we we are united in Christ, united to one another. We become a family of faith. The Lord's Supper is a family meal for brothers and sisters united in Jesus. The bread and the wine are a powerful symbol of our unity. And it's a unity that can overcome, that overcomes the things that often divide people in our world. 
Around the table of the Lord's Supper, different races are united as brothers and sisters in Christ. Rich and poor are united as brothers and sisters in Christ. Young and old are united as brothers and sisters in Christ. Men and women are united as brothers and sisters in Christ. By grace, we are all children of God. And when we eat the bread and the wine, we are entering into the promises of the family of God. That we are joint heirs to the inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. Together, united. And that's why Paul is so mad. Because in Corinth, the way they were eating the bread and the wine was, in, it was divided. Some got drunk while others got hungry. That's not loving someone as a brother. That's not recognizing the reality of what Jesus has, has done for me. It's not recognizing the reality of what the bread and the wine means. That's not understanding who the people are around you in the church, who they are now to you through Jesus as your brothers and sisters. It's robbing the Lord's Supper, communion, of its power. And here's the thing. There is real blessing to be had in this meal. There's real blessing to be had in this meal when we take it together. When we eat the bread and the wine of the Lord's Supper together, united as a family of faith, different races, different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different nationalities, different languages, all of it, there is a blessing from God to be had. There's a biblical principle of blessing. It says this in Psalm 133. This is the Old Testament. It says, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Aaron was like the, the, Moses' brother. He was the first priest of the nation. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. This bit. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life. How long for? couple of days forevermore where brothers and sisters dwell in unity the lord commands a blessing the lord commands an eternal forevermore blessing in a few minutes we're going to sit down together and have a makeshift picnic in a cinema screen together which was a good call given the summer that we are having at the moment Different races, different backgrounds, different nationalities, and we're going to take, the com take communion together, together, break bread, drink juice as brothers and sisters. And when we do that, when we sit down, I, I want us to deliberately pray for each other. Let's give thanks for the gift of eternal life, one for us by the body and the blood of Jesus. And then let's pray a blessing for our brothers and sisters. Let's stand with each other in prayer. Let's take a moment to deliberately and intentionally pray for one another as we take communion together. Because when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, the Lord commands a blessing. He commands a blessing forevermore. Shall we do that? Okay, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to worship, and then we're going to um, have our picnic and take communion together. Let me just pray. Father, we thank you for the meal of the Lord's Supper. And we want to take it um, with hearts that are just full of adoration for Jesus this afternoon, this morning even. Lord, we, we, we adore you, Jesus. 
We thank you for your body nailed to a cross, for your blood shed so that we can be free, so that we can be forgiven of our sin, so that we can be made whole again, so that we can be united to our Father in heaven. We are so grateful. And Lord, we're so grateful that not only does it unite us to our Father in heaven, back to God, reconcile us back to God, but it unites us one to another. That we now have brothers and sisters of faith in the church who love you and who love us. And we want to dwell in unity. We want to be united. We want to be together. We want to really be a church family, a spiritual family of faith. Lord, that's our prayer. And so we take this bread and this wine joyfully, thankfully. Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.